Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you like being a little malicious once in a while, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by King Neptune 7 Sorry boss, I'm not qualified. This is another merchant marine malicious compliance story. My last one was about a guy who refused to work until he was sent home to go on his pre-planned trip to Disney World. In the merchant marine, there's licensing and credential requirements that determine what capacity you can work at. It boils down to the more time and experience you have, the higher you can sail. Sometimes you have to take a test to upgrade your license or rating. At my current company, they have promotion boards once per year. Everyone has a permanent rating that determines the minimum they can sail as, but if you have the license, you can sometimes get temp promoted to a higher job with a higher salary until you either leave that ship or the person you were temp working for returns. On my ship several years ago, there was a third assistant engineer. This guy was working as a third, but already had his second assistant's license. When he arrived, he had just completed the test to upgrade to first assistant engineer, but was waiting on his new license to come. In the engine department, the highest is chief engineer, then first assistant, second, and so on. This engineer had put in his promotion package to advance to second assistant engineer permanently, but he failed to be promoted. Specifically, the company told him that he was not qualified for promotion to second engineer. This meant he couldn't be permanently promoted to second, but he could get temp jobs. Several months after he got on board, the chief engineer wanted to give the second engineer leave for a month or two. So the second would leave for 30 or 60 days, then come back. To do his job, he wanted the third to fill in in the meantime. The third said, nope, sorry, no can do. You see, I'm not qualified according to our employer. What the chief engineer didn't know was that the first engineer had to leave for some reason 30 days after the second was due to leave. The second didn't hold a first engineer license, but the third did. The first engineer left, and there was no one on land to replace him, so the third engineer, whose license had come in since then, skipped right over two levels and became the new first. He said, you people said I'm only not qualified for second. You didn't say anything about first. I really wonder what dictates what your rating and your promotion probabilities are. Like, is there actually some kind of metric that they use to rate it, or is it just like a bias thing? It just seems so weird that this person was able to get a first license, not get promoted, but yet still be qualified for a position two levels above where they're keeping them at currently. It's like somebody's an assistant manager at McDonald's, gets passed over for the general manager job, and then because they're qualified, they just move them right up to district manager. If you were in a situation like this where you got looked over for a promotion, but then there was a temporary gig where you could move up even higher for a short amount of time and get a pay bump, would you be willing to take that increase? Or would you go the more petty route and leave them high and dry without a first engineer? Let me know what you would prefer in the comments down below. Our next story is by Esmolert fan. German consulate had to change their website because of me. I'm a born Canadian, but since my parents are German, I'm entitled to German citizenship. 
However, if you don't get a passport or other proof of citizenship before you turn 18, the German embassy has to do a search for records, which is this long process that verifies your connection to Germany, your ancestors, if you still have family, etc. And it can take years to do. I was 17 at the time. Now, on the German page for the citizenship, it says you must have the passport that your parent had when you were born. Otherwise, they'll have to do the search of citizenship. We did not have this. The only thing is that the German consulate website did not have this, so I got my documents and prayed they wouldn't notice. Being Germans, they do everything by the book. No exceptions, and needless to say, they absolutely combed through my documents. They eventually caught that I didn't have what I mentioned earlier, and so I pointed out that it wasn't on the website. They didn't believe me at first, but after probably an hour of the agent and manager combing through their website, they found that I was right and actually granted me the passport without the search of citizenship. They told me this was the first time anything like that happened, and they'll have to change the website, but since it wasn't on the website, that they would allow it. And just to stress how long the process would have taken, my cousin submitted applications three years ago and are still waiting. Honestly, good on them for sticking to what the website actually says. I feel like regardless of what country it is, whatever government agency, if there was a mistake like that on their website, they would probably say, no, 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 this is our process. The website isn't fully accurate. We'll we'll update that. And if you try to combat it, they go, we're the government. You can't just say no. Our next story is by Noeed. Want me to live stream myself for 11 hours while I study? Okay. Our class's performance has been getting worse since the beginning of the year. It's mainly due to the school counselor enforcing strict study schedules and micromanaging everything. Six hours of daily after-school studying on weekdays, 12 hours on Sunday. What you should be studying is predetermined and you need to provide evidence that you actually studied. Personally, the way this counselor manages stuff is hurting my performance. But he doesn't believe that. He thinks that the kids are not following his plan to the letter and that's why they're burning out. He enforced his new awful idea last week a study marathon where you enter a Zoom meeting and live stream yourself while you study, beginning from 8am to 7pm. It's obviously ridiculous, but there was no getting around it. This is where I came up with the idea of recording a looped clip of myself and using a virtual webcam to broadcast it to the class. I recorded two clips, one for the day and another for the evening classes. It's a 10 minute video of me sitting in front of the laptop and pretending to study while listening to music. I'm out of frame in both the beginning and the ending of the video, so it loops back perfectly. The first day of his study marathon arrives, and I enter the Zoom meeting. Out of 30 kids in the class, only 10 entered. He's baffled why people don't like his brilliant idea. This goes on for two more days. The last meeting of the third day was from 5.30pm to 7pm. We're down to three kids now. 50 minutes through the class, he yells, Mr. OP, do you hear me? While Looped OP is aggressively head-bopping to music, he sighs and ends the meeting early. No more study marathons ever. Small note, I'm not lazy or against studying. He has good intentions, but the plan was doomed to fail. Every kid has different study routines. I study for 45 minutes and take a break for 15 minutes. The school counselor expected 90 minutes of studying and 10 minutes of rest. 
I continued studying normally in these three days. I'm gonna be very candid here and say I almost never studied in school. I'm just gonna be honest. I think I would do just about literally anything else than study for 12 hours on a Sunday. I think I would rather stare at a wall for 12 hours on Sunday than have to force myself to study literally all day long. I literally think this is like abusive territory. That's not to mention they expect six hours of studying every night besides Sunday. Who has the time, patience, and mental fortitude to do that? This next story is by Big Poppy Loxta. No alcohol on the premises? No problem. Back when I was in high school, I was someone that really walked the line of breaking the rules, but not actually. Our student handbook that we all had to sign said that we can't bring any alcohol or tobacco to school. Obviously, that's fine. But nowhere does it say that I can't bring any drinks that mimic alcohol, such as a non-alcoholic beer. So, yes, one day, I brought a case of non-alcoholic beer and limes to school. I used my student card to cut the lime, popped a bottle of Heineken non-alcoholic beer, and flipped her over. Luckily, this one was not a squirter. I did all of this during my teacher's lesson, and somehow he didn't notice. Eventually, though, he walks by and notices the drink. His face went red, and I guess the fact that it was non-alcoholic meant nothing because I still ended up in the principal's office. When the principal got there, she wasn't mad but wasn't impressed either. The vice principal also saw it, and to be honest, I think he found it funny based on his reaction and the fact that me and him were always boys. The principal, though, was not my friend, as they were newly appointed. So there we were in the principal's office. She was ready to suspend me because she said non-alcoholic beer actually has 0.05% alcohol in it. Trace amounts, but alcohol nonetheless. When she told me this, I told her to check again. She looked at the bottle, and lo and behold, 0.00% alcohol. I felt like they were playing checkers and I was playing chess. This was completely premeditated, and prior to me purchasing it, I knew 100% that I needed to find 0.00% or else I wouldn't have done it. Due to the content being absolute zero, they let me off with detention and told me that they'll be changing the student handbook to reflect any alcoholic beverage mimicking. Things almost got messy though when the principal said that she thought she smelled weed on the bottle and accused me of bringing a knife to school. Because how else would I have cut the limes? Either way, I had my bases covered and they couldn't find anything to throw at me. I really walked the line and survived. For every quiet introvert like me that keeps to themselves, There's a level of appreciation that I think most of us have for these people who are so willing to toe the line and do something as ridiculous as bringing a non-alcoholic case of beer and limes to school and actually breaking them out during the teacher's lesson. You gotta respect it at least a little bit, right? Our next story is by Impressive Glove 639 The True Cost of Silence So years ago, I was a peasant working for the king of burgers. I was the guy everyone went to whenever there was a problem. Even the managers would come to me if they didn't know how to do something. This led me to chime in on things when I thought it was appropriate, fixing problems before they even became problems. Now, even though they would come up to me as soon as there was a problem, more than half the time, if I brought up a problem, I was told to shut up or mind my own business. This went on for a while before I came up with my malicious compliance. I simply stopped talking at all. If I really needed to say something, like if they came and asked for my help, 
I would write it down. This pissed off my manager to no end. For a week, she kept asking me to start talking again, and I would simply write down, You all told me to shut up, and would leave it at that. The day finally came to break the vow of silence, when one of our delivery drivers crashed a handcart into a wall, smashing a good part of the wall. I tried to act it out to my manager, but she wasn't having it, kept telling me to just say it. So I finally told her. She immediately jumped down my throat with, You need to say something if you see something like this happen. To which I replied, you're the one who wanted me to shut up. Never was told to shut up again while I worked there. Yeah, they're willing to be mighty disrespectful until they realize how badly they do need you. Oh, you're a know-it-all. Shut up. I don't need your help. But uh, could you help me with this one thing? This next story is by Hogan Lee. Eight-year-old did his chores exactly as requested. This is the story of my nephew at the age of eight, a malicious compliance prodigy. My sister has three kids great kids, but often tricky, particularly nephew. He's a lovable smart butt. They each were given certain chores throughout growing up, and at age 8, nephew was given the task of emptying the cutlery from the dishwasher in the evening. One day, my sister sends me a photo of the cutlery basket that has a vegetable peeler, whisk, and some other assorted items left in it. Apparently, nephew wandered off, and the conversation went as follows. Sister said, Nephew, you need to finish emptying the dishwasher. Nephew said, It's done. Sister said, We said you have to empty the basket. He says, No, you said I had to put away the cutlery. I put away all the cutlery. Sister told me she realized she had in fact told him to put away the cutlery and was inwardly laughing while outwardly furious. Nephew insisted that the peelers, etc., weren't cutlery, and so did not fall within his chore remit. From then on, his chore was empty the cutlery basket, which he fully complied with. Nephew is now an awesome, hilarious teen who I strongly believe would do well as a lawyer. It's always those smart ones looking for the loopholes early on that you're just... You're confident growing up they're gonna be a handful and a total pain in the butt, but they're gonna make it someday. So, hopefully, it'll all be worth it. And our final story of the day is by Montana Ace. You want me to hit it? Okay. This was when I was 10, and I had just started golf lessons at a new club. I'd been playing golf since I was 5, and I was pretty decent for a 10-year-old. On the last day of lessons, the instructors took us all out to play a couple of holes. Up until this point, we'd been working on irons, wedges, chipping, and putting for the most part. Our lessons group had been split into two groups, and I was in the second group. When the first group was around 125 yards ahead, the instructor that was with us told me to go. I said, are you sure? I might hit them. This guy, thinking I couldn't possibly hit it 125 yards, told me, you won't hit them. Nothing to worry about. Go ahead. So I took a couple practice swings and step up to my ball. I was actually really nervous because I wanted to prove this dude wrong. So I swing and I hit it really well. The first thing out of my instructor's mouth was, oh no, four. Four means watch out, there's a ball headed your way in golf terms. And my ball ended up hitting the back of the first group's cart. I had the biggest smile on my face when I said, told you I might hit them. You go, 10-year-old OP. Don't let them underestimate you. You know the strength. You know your power. Honestly, though, despite the fact that you hurled this projectile towards them, it must have been so satisfying to prove them wrong and just smack the crap out of that golf ball. That's definitely a smile-worthy memory, especially considering nobody got hit. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? 
why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories.